I'm a grind and What's up everybody, my name is Sid, and I've teamed up with the big homie Reg to bring y'all something new, something we like to call Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all be sure to review, rate, and subscribe. Let's get to it. Making these flips. Welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all know me, I'm Sid. What's going on, Reg? Oh man, off the hiatus, bro. It's been a minute, man. Good to be back. It's been a, a a good minute, a good minute. So many people on next. Hey, when y'all still recording? When you gonna get another show? I said, man, look, maybe when football starts. But we got exactly. one in before. We got one in before football, so all is well. Exactly, exactly, and that's that. I always knew that's when we were gonna end up picking it back up. You know, we had a little. We we was able to let life take over <laughs> and, and, and give us a break from it. But football coming back around, so we got to get back to it. Um, man, so a lot has happened since the last time we sat down and did this. I think, uh, the last time had to have been right after the draft, um, when we were able to, to sit here and have a show. So, uh, we, I I don't think we touched on the playoffs in the NBA at all, Mm -hmm. uh, going into that. Um, and the last time we talked, I want to say the Saints were still about fifty million dollars over the cap. So that's yeah, that's changed tremendously uh, <laughs> since since that point. Today we sit at um, about eleven million dollars under the cap. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole bunch of restructuring. Ryan Ramchick finally got that huge extension that we were waiting on. Yes, sir. Um, we're still trying to figure out what's going on with Marshawn Lattimore if he's going to face any. Suspensions going forward and how that's affecting his contract negotiations. Um, Marcus Williams, the the franchise tag player's deadline is passed, so we know he's playing on basically a one-year deal um, mm-hmm. for this season. Yep. David Onyemata, suspended for six games. Uh, yep. that, that's, that's, that's huge. That's, yeah, I was about right to say, now. that's real big. A lot of people don't know who David Onyemata is, but he's definitely made a name for himself these past couple years, and He's definitely been our best D tackle at least the last two years. So yeah, yeah, and he and he's one of those gems that that we found. I, I was he drafted or was he undrafted? I might. I think we signed I, I th- him as undrafted free agent. I think he was drafted. He was drafted. Yeah, I okay. think. Yeah, but he was either a late round draft pick or an undrafted mm-hmm. free agent. So he's he's definitely been one of those gems that's paid off for us yeah. and one that we were really looking towards uh, for this season letting Sheldon Rankins walk in um and then trading away Malcolm Brown to free up that cap space um so he was somebody we would def- we're definitely going into the season uh looking to rely on um today I, I wake up to the news that Michael Thomas is is having another surgery and he might not be ready for week one almost burned my jersey <laughs> on the spot <laughs> on the spot and that's yeah, I man, that's that's not what I wanted to wake up to see. Uh, I can't, we can't afford to have any player that's that good and become riddled with injuries. This is starting to become a thing for him, yeah. and yeah, that's not that's not worth the pay right there. I mean, just taking it a step further, he's the only uh, receiver at this point that yeah. we have that's that's uh, that has shown that he can not only be a number one, but just, you know, we're able to count on him for anything. You know, he's the yeah. only receiver on the whole depth chart. And going back to David Onyemanya, he was uh, drafted in the, fourth, in the fourth round in 2016. Um, but even that situation is bigger than what it seems because he's the only deep, deep tackle we have. I mean, for years, we've gotten away with having uh, great rotation guys on the line, period. Our front seven has really anchored the Saints defense for the, the past couple years. And uh, <clears throat> like you said, Malcolm Brown has moved on. Um, Shelton Rankins have moved on. Um, even on the end, we got Hendrickson who has moved on. It, it, it's going to be ugly, man. It's really going to be ugly. Uh, so sticking with that, what do what do you what would be your approach to this? Um, like I say, our, our depth chart right now consists of um, Tyler Davidson and uh, Malcolm Roach, um, the guy we just got from Kansas City. I know he's listed at the defensive end, but he does a lot of inside work, so he's yeah. going to get some work right there too. I feel like I'm missing somebody. Um, 
Well, just to just to cut in a little bit, you already know the the praises I sung to Malcolm Roach even last year, early in preseason. He showed that he had a high motor. He can move people in the interior. Um, Davidson isn't a huge drop off from uh, Sheldon Rankins, believe it or not, because he missed so so much time these last few yeah. years. Um, so it it's not that we are just uh, you know horrible, but to yeah. know that the defense. Just to know that what the defense used to be a couple years ago, and now you're looking at bare minimum, it is a concern. Uh, you touched on Marcus Williams uh, with his with his ten million dollar deal. I told you from the get go, as soon as he signed, I felt like the Saints was comfortable saying, "Hey, if we don't get a long term deal done, cool, fine, whatever." And I don't, I didn't, I know that I felt like they wasn't gonna press the issue. Um, me on the other end, I would have took that money. I would have liked for the Saints to take that money and uh, put it towards the defensive line. You got a lot of guys like Geno Atkins still out there, uh, Kawhi Short, um, uh, Gerald McCoy, who, you know, coming back from injury, you probably could get a lot of those guys on the low. Uh, Melvin Ingram, if you wanted to put another dog on the end of Tim oh, George. He signed. He signed. Well, Pittsburgh. He, yeah. He just signed, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying we had that money to – to go get guys and kind of build back to what made us the Saints these last couple of years, which, which has been the defense. So when it comes to um, the defensive line situation, like I say, the these past few years we've been so deep. Like you say, we've had such a rotation mm-hmm. of guys that can that we can you know move in and out of there, and even to where last year we uh, we were down rankings and. Uh, another another guy had went down and we were looking at it, it was like we're gonna be fine like we got so mm. many guys to plug in right there that that we're gonna be fine I think right now um like I say I'm I'm good with Tyler Davis and I like Malcolm Roach like you say we both praised him a good bit last season um but I I think and we, we gotta add somebody and and I think we needed to add somebody anyway even before the suspension so whether it's reaching out to Geno Atkins or Jared McCoy um, or a guy like that that's still out there. I think bringing in a veteran like that or a Kwan Short, uh, bringing in a, a veteran like that would definitely help us. Um, like I said, especially now that for six games, we're going to be missing our best defensive tackle and we're going to be going up against running backs like Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley. Um, I think we got Zeke in the first six weeks. Uh, so we we definitely have uh, I think he at the end. McCaffrey. I know we got Christian McCaffrey in the first six yeah. weeks. So yeah, we we got a lot of uh, Chris Carson. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we got a we got a lot of guys that that we need to be plugging that middle up for in our yeah. first six weeks. So that's something that now we have to address when we are already were in a position where we need another receiver. Uh, uh, to we got to add another wide receiver. We have to add uh, another cornerback, uh, like that cornerback. More than anything else, we have to add another cornerback. And like I say, now we're we're under the cap by eleven million dollars, which is amazing. But we knew we were going to get here eventually. Um, but now it's oh, we went from having to address just two positions to now we have to address three. Um, the trade market for cornerback seems to be where the Saints are looking right now from everything that I'm seeing. It seems more likely that we trade for a guy than um, signing anybody off the street, which for the longest I have been saying Richard Sherman was that guy, but because of the trouble he's come into this past week, two weeks, I think that's off the board. Um, so now you hear Xavier Howard's name being brought up. You're hearing J.C. Jackson you're hearing, I've heard Bradley Roby uh, over the past week um, and the other guy, Stephon Gilmore, which I don't think I'm a fan of at this point just because of the money he's going to demand uh, in a trade situation. But where would you like to see that going now, the cornerback situation? Well, you know how I felt about Jag Rabbit last season, man. I felt like he gave us a lot uh, opposite side of Lattimore. I wouldn't break the bank for a corner. Um, like kind of how you feel about Stephon Gilmore. Sure, he's the best corner out of those guys, the most proven. But I'm not I, – I just feel like we need to take care of the, the front four first. Like if we could get the front four first, 
that makes the corner's job that much easier. But it really doesn't matter who you get. You can go get Stephon Gilmore. If we can't get to the quarterback, then what you going to ask him to cover for seven seconds like he was doing in New England? You know what I'm saying, basically? So uh, I would like to see us take uh, take the veteran approach, get a guy, you know, kind of like on a low, kind of like when we got Keenan Lewis from Pittsburgh. He came over on a very team-friendly deal. Uh, when we got Jack Rabbit, uh, you know, he came over. He didn't break the bank or anything of that nature. Uh, so I would like to take that approach to it. Bradley Roby, it kind of seemed like he's uh, played himself out of Houston anyway, uh, yeah. especially with the, with the mishaps from last season toward the end. Um, and they have the right, I believe it's something, something tricky, like they can cut him and don't have to really pay him nothing. Um, yeah, he's, he, he's the definition of what you were just saying about a team-friendly deal. Like yeah, he's definitely so, on a team-friendly deal. Yeah, and uh, if and if we can get a front, if we can get a um, a front four in position that we that can be consistent. I, I don't expect us to have a guy that's second in the lead in sacks again, like you yeah. know Trey was. But if we can just be consistent, don't get hit with injuries. Uh, you know, COVID's out there, so that, that's a whole yeah. other. You know, if we can just get a group of guys in the front four where we can have rotation guys and we can get pressure good enough, I would be very comfortable with having a guy like Bradley Roby. So we def- we actually see this differently because I, I obviously am going into this with a little more confidence in our front four uh, than you are. Even with the suspension of Ayamana and the losses that we have, I still have uh, a, good, a good amount of confidence in our front four um, but once again, we're going from where the interior for the past two seasons has been the best in the league or one of the best in the league to coming down a good bit from that. But overall, I still think it's a good group. I, the, me and you talk about all the time how we've gone so many seasons dreading our second cornerback. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't take that anymore. Like I can't go through that. Like you said, Janoris Jenkins came in and he was able to be real solid. Um and honestly, we didn't have to pay him a ton of money, you right. know. Mm-hmm. Um do I want to pay Stefan Gilmore? No, but I don't want to pay Stefan Gilmore because he's going to be demanding best in the league money. Like he should that's what he considers himself. Like he should. He should, yeah, right. as he should. I'm not willing to do that. J.C. Jackson is a guy that I told you I love J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson, I think, is due three million dollars this year. They put a um, they put a second round tender on him. Uh, nobody matched it or offered him anything, so they're paying him three million dollars. He's set to be a free agent next year. That's a guy I would definitely like to see them move on. Yeah. Xavier Howard has a deal that's reasonable right now, but his thing is he wants more awesome. money. Exactly. So it depends on uh, and, what exactly that amount looks like if you're willing to to take that chance. And just to be honest with you, Casey Jackson, he's a guy that's kind of flying under the radar. A lot of people yeah, don't absolutely. know he is, you know, the mediocre 100%. football fans. But if you're really into football, then you know what he do. He's a speed guy. He's a man corner. He played phenomenal. You can line him up in the slot. He had his opportunities to guard Tyreek Hill, and he did a great job. He does all this. So I'm just saying, yeah, you can get him on a low, which is cool, because I'm not even trying to look too far in the future. So yeah. if we get him, cool. Do I want to give up a second-round pick for him, though? No. I would. I would give up a second-round pick for him or Xavier Howard, honestly. The Xavier Howard thing, like I say, you got to figure out the money before you try to pull a trade on him. Yeah, um, and, and I just feel Jackson like, is a guy that I would definitely like. Twenty, I think he's twenty four, twenty five years old. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you say, he's flying under the radar right now, which would probably uh, work in our favor when it comes to contract negotiation going forward. Eight interceptions last year. Um, so J.C. Jackson would be the top of my list right now. Oh, uh, because like you say, at this moment, that's it. Don't get more friend team friendly than three million dollars for this season. Yeah. Um, but also, he's somebody whose play is outstanding or has been outstanding. And see, the thing that I think about is how many great years we had with Cam Jordan, but we had no one opposite side of him, and the defense suffered from it tremendously. We had a horrible defense every single year. Drew Brees strong for 45 to 5,000 yards. Cam is getting 10 sacks a year, and yet we finish in bottom five, bottom seven in total defense. So when we got consistent at being good at defense is because 
we can find someone to, to plug and play opposite side of Cam Jordan. Even if it was Alex, uh, what's his name? Alex Oklahoma and another guy combining for 10 sacks on a year. We were finding other ways to, to you know, get to the quarterback besides Cam. And uh, Trey just, he balled out last season, mm-hmm. second in the lead in sacks. Uh, Cam kind of had somewhat of a slump year. So I'm kind of unsure about if Cam just had a bad year or if that's just age starting to catch up to him. So knowing that Cam may not be Cam of old, Davenport haven't lived up to absolutely anything this year. I mean, we have to have something concreted on the front four. And as of right now, we don't have that. And I don't think we're in a position now to where we're going to get that. If you don't feel like we're, we have anything concrete right now, there's nobody out there that's going to share that up for us right now either. So I don't like there's no I feel like if we we're already taking chances on guys. So let's take a chance on the guys that we're already invested in Davenport, Peyton Turner, uh, the guy we just signed from Kansas City. That's what we got. That's what we're going to have to roll with. I don't. I don't really see anybody out there that can change life. Well, once again, yeah, yeah, and I agree. I agree with you. I just was saying why I didn't want to give up that second round pick because, yeah, 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 you know, coming back the following year in the draft, you can address some of those things. I'm just not a fan of, matter of fact, New England. They showed you. I'm not a fan of having a great secondary. To me, it's like video game stuff. Like, you got this amazing secondary, but you got nobody that can get home. You got to send five. And sometimes six guys to make the quarterback throw the ball a, a second or two faster. Team, you can't. You're so predictable, man-to-man coverage. What you see is what you get. It's the the easiest defense to beat. You know, for for any decent quarterback in the NFL. So um, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that team. I felt yeah. like you know the last at least three years the defense has held its own. Um, and we have to find a way to to get pressure on the quarterback because that's when the Saints defense is at its best. Yeah, and like I said, we just differ on where the confidence that we have in our front four right now. I'm higher on them than you are. Um, so now, yeah, if they I, prove something this year, cool. Or even er, ha- halfway into the season, whatever, cool. But I'm just saying I'm not confident because we never had a full season with Davidson as our first or second defensive tackle. We haven't had a full season as Davenport as our DN. So I'm just saying I can't bank on that. Yeah, That's of course. Of course. Yeah. But once again, I'm not trying to bank on I, I'd rather try to bank I'd rather bank on that than banking on Patrick Robinson being our second corner for this season. Oh now you or, know. Or, you no, yeah. I yeah. So, so I can <laughs> uh, that's not even an option, like yeah, too. Yeah, so if there's if there are players out there who are Gettable, JC Jackson. Like if we could go get, go get them. Like yeah, go, yeah, yeah. and if it's the second round, especially going into next year when we have mm-hmm. a boatload of, we got more draft picks than we normally have. We got three or four uh, compensatory picks that's going to end up being third round that's supposed to be coming in next year because right. of the guys that we've lost. So mm-hmm. we got, we have a way to make up a little bit of what we give away. Uh, if it is to get somebody like that, yeah, I feel you. Um, Saints, Saints, Saints. Um, training camp is approaching soon, so going forward, of course, we're going to talk a lot about that. But the biggest competition that there is in the NFL this season, Taysom Hill versus Jameis Winston, <laughs> is about to take off. <laughs> I don't. Once again, in my opinion, the competition behind closed doors should already be over with, and I'm hoping that that's actually the case. Um, but it will be interesting um, to see our first quarterback competition in what 15, 16 years, 15 years probably. Um, it's going to make. It's so hard to watch preseason football sometimes and, and keep real up-to-date with what's going on with training camp and stuff like that. And this is probably the first storyline New Orleans has had that has me intrigued uh, to actually be really plugged in throughout training camp and, and the preseason. So that's going to be something to look forward to. But, uh, yeah, man, we got a, we got a quarterback competition 
for <laughs> first time in a very long time. And sadly, I got a feeling that this won't be the last season in the near future where we're going into training camp having a quarterback competition. Definitely. Uh, I don't see it much as a competition Competition as most people see it. I see it as Jameis Winston is the starter. However, I really do think Taysom Hill will stay in the same exact role that he's in, that he was in last year, which is come in goal line situations, third and short situations. But I think they're going to allow him to pass the ball a little bit more than what they did last year and the year before. Now, that's not saying much because he hardly ever threw the ball. I'm talking yeah. about when he wasn't the starter, when he came in yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on special occasions. So I just think that they are going to open up the playbook a little bit more for him in those type of situations. But I, I just think it's going to be the same, the same old Taysom Hill game plan that we've already seen. And I see that a little differently. I feel like they go into a situation where they eliminate that uh, going forward. I don't think... Eliminate um, what? The Taysom Hill gadget guy. I think they eliminate that going into this season. Uh, I don't think that you... Uh, of course, with Drew Brees the past few seasons and the injuries and him getting older and things like that, you were able to give Taysom Hill more opportunities. But with Jameis Winston being a much younger quarterback, much stronger arm, much more athletic person than what Drew Brees was, I don't see that. I don't feel that they're going to think there's too much reason to be pulling Jameis Winston off the field in order to put Taysom in. I don't think he gives in any situation more of an advantage than what Jameis does. Even if you're saying we want to see some option every now and then, Jameis can. Jameis is capable of doing so, and I don't think. That there's going to, I think this is a two quarterback roster this season. I don't think we keep three quarterbacks that way. And if that's the case, you can't put Taysom Hill in situations to where you letting them get his head blown off or uh, just taking unnecessary hits. So yeah. I don't think that the gadget Taysom Hill guy is going to be somebody we see this season. Yeah, and I, I definitely think we will. We definitely disagree there more than ever. So I don't want to see James Winston come close to running a, 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 a option. Period. Uh, I mean. But- I don't- the option being ran in general in New Orleans, but I, like, <laughs> I, he, he's just as much as capable as anybody else at this point. I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson, but he can he can successfully complete uh, an option play. I don't think Jameis Winston is outrunning no one on the option. So he isn't either. He's just attempting to run people over. He's not outrunning anybody. But he's not a liability back there when he when he does decide to take off. I mean, Taysom moves to be that big. And like you said, he's looking for contact. That's that's much different from a guy like Jameis Winston who have no wiggle, not trying to run nobody over, no acceleration. But anyway, we I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say Red, since when do you want your quarterback trying to run anybody over? Well, that's he's what I'm saying. Quarterback, whether he's your backup or your starter, you don't want him trying to run anybody over at any time. But this is what I'm saying. Last year he was the backup quarterback, and he did just that. And what I'm Last saying, last year James Winston was the backup quarterback, and that allowed Taysom Hill to be able to do his gadget stuff. Because if Taysom Hill got hurt, <laughs> what was going to happen? James see, Winston was still go quarterback. See, he wasn't. Drew Brees went down, and Taysom Hill got the start. Drew Brees went down, and James Winston came in and finished the game. And then they decided to let Taysom go into the next week as the starting and quarterback. A, and the week after that, the week after that, and the week after that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Th- that doesn't semantics. Because, once again, if he was truly the backup quarterback, he would have came in and finished that game. There, but, wouldn't, have been no, there wouldn't have been no need to, to try to prepare him in the manner that they had to go about doing so in order to let him play. They kept three quarterbacks on the roster. But you can also look at it in this sense. The, the game that Drew went down, you can say, well, they had a lot of packages where Taysom Hill was going to be in, whether it was in a slot position, a tight end position, a flex position or whatever, because he was so heavily featured in this game plan, we couldn't afford to pull him and put him at quarterback. But I think him getting the opportunity to play start quarterback for four you, games in a row says a lot. You think Trevor Simeon is on our on our active roster for eighteen for seventeen games next season? If not him, it wouldn't surprise me if it's someone. That's all I'm saying. Ooh. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise I'm, me if they decide to keep if they decide to keep Trevor Simeon on the roster for roster. all. A 53 game roster. That wouldn't just blow my mind away. It, that it would blow my mind. It yeah. would blow my mind. I, I, think, I think that 
for one, you're having a quarterback competition for a reason, whether it's because you paid the money to taste, like we talked about last season, or it was like, look, you paid him the money, so you have to see what it is that that he has. So whether it's because you're just, whether it's because you just paid him the money or it's because you really think that he can go out there and be your starting quarterback, either way, there's no, either way, there's not a good enough quarterback on your roster to be active every week of the season in order to continue letting Taysom Hill play gadget guy. But that's what he is. That's who he is. If you remove, if you no, go ahead. If you remove him from gadget guy, as you say, then you literally took away at least 80% of the whole reason that he's there and the reason he got paid. He got paid for what he already done versus, and if we need you to step in and play quarterback, we feel comfortable with you playing quarterback. If we need you on third and short, we feel comfortable. If we need you in the red zone, we feel comfortable. Once again, it's hard for me, and we talked about this last season. We kept saying, well, Taysom Hill is the backup quarterback, and you're like, Riggs, that man is not the backup quarterback. And I'm like, Sid, he's listed as our backup quarterback. True enough, James Winston did finish that game, but for four weeks. That says a lot. They could have played no, him again. It, it, says what, it says exactly what you told me last year, which is what I just brought up. You paid him, so you gotta you have to see what he's worth. Whether you want to or not, you paid him. You got to see but, what he's worth. But, I think that they I think the mindset was always James Winston is the better quarterback, but we paid him. We have to see enough, what he's worth. But true enough, do you think Sean Payton was ready to gamble the season? I think I think Sean Payton was confident enough in the talent around our team to know that he wasn't going to lose many games during the stretch without Drew Brees, regardless first, of who he put back there. In the first two games of Taysom Hill starting, did he do anything to make you say he has a chance to be in a starting six quarterback? Games, uh, how many games did he start? Five, six? In in in, in the. And, and there wasn't one snap where I looked at Taysom Hill and it was like he has a chance to be our starting quarterback going forward. Okay, so and that just that's what I'm, I'm saying. But I'm also saying that Trevor Simeon isn't a better quarterback than Taysom Hill, and Ian Book isn't a better quarterback than Taysom Hill. Therefore, your insurance is still Taysom Hill. Like you can't afford to put Taysom Hill in there as a gadget guy and he gets concussed and then Jameis gets hurt. And then you're looking at Ian Book. Sid, if that happens. Because then you throw away a season. If that happens, you're screwed regardless. Like, if those two things. I mean. Listen, hold on, hold on, hold on. If Jameis Winston gets hurt, right? Let's say he's out for 10 weeks. And then next game, um, Taysom Hill gets a concussion catching a ball. What he's paid to do, catch a ball and get a concussion. He's like, either way it go, you're screwed. He's not paid to do that. That's the point. What you want him to do, see? That competition—they're telling you we're giving this man an opportunity to be our starting quarterback. See, it's like so. What do you you want Taysom Hill to do this year? That's that's my question to you. What do you want him to be in Green Bay or Pittsburgh? I want him on another team. That's what I want. (laughs) But he's here. That's the point. He's here. So So what I need from a person who you're telling me, Sean Payton's telling us it's a quarterback competition. That means that man is a quarterback from here on. I don't want to hear nothing about him playing tight end. Oh I don't want him being crazy. a returner. I don't want oh him. Oh, my God. You are either my starting quarterback or my backup quarterback. Nothing more. Oh, wow. Yes, I want, unless you're going to somehow come across a quarterback of Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, that type of caliber to where you can actually play three quarterbacks and afford to risk Taysom Hill like that. But regardless of how you look at it, he's our second best quarterback on our roster, and that's never been the case. Yeah, I definitely don't want to see that happen. See it definitely. I'm we yeah, we totally disagree on that one, man. I I want to see Taysom Hill in just as much as the next guy, um, doing everything that he can and everything that he's done for us in the past. Does Taysom Hill as a gadget player give us a better chance to win football games than Taysom Hill the quarterback versus Trevor Simeon the quarterback? Oh, like him, is that as a quarterback? Like, so right. you have to protect that. But going see, forward, yeah. But you know, it's not gonna go like that, though. I really don't think. I, I mean, it would really surprise me to see them say, "Hey, Taysom Hill, who runs into people and, and runs a four, five, four, six, whatever." 
we just going to sit you down with all this strength and all this speed and all this durability you have. We're just going to sit you on the bench until Jameis Winston get hurt. Like, that's crazy. It's not crazy. It's how every <laughs> it's how every other quarterback room goes in the NFL. Yeah, we're but every other quarterback, we're going to have a backup that's going to sit his ass down with a clipboard and wait till his time comes. But every other quarterback in the NFL is not 245 running 4-5 and looking for contact. True story, and that's why he shouldn't be a quarterback in the NFL, but it's what we got. All right, see. <laughs> it's what we got. So let's get a, let's, let's get off of that because we're going to have plenty of time to talk about that going forward, unfortunately. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out, especially because we see it so differently. Uh, once again, so let's move on to the NBA. Man, before we left, we didn't even get a chance to – speak on or predict anything about the NBA playoffs. Um, And now, you know, just wrapped up what it was Tuesday with Milwaukee winning in six games over the Phoenix Mm -hmm. Suns, which is probably the most um, unlikely NBA Finals matchup we've had since, man, it's been been a long time, honestly. Um, A lot of injuries took place during this postseason. is is once again I don't put any asterisk on any championship. Like there's there's things that happen every season that you're gonna look at and say, well, if this didn't happen or that didn't happen, things are gonna play out differently. So I wasn't gonna let anybody put an asterisk on the Lakers championship last year because we were in a bubble. I'm not gonna let anybody put an asterisk on this championship because players got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um that being said, I told you before I told you before, when Brooklyn was full health, I took I was going to take Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. That shows to like Mil- it, Kevin Durant almost beat Milwaukee by himself. So if they were at full health, they would have been able to beat Milwaukee because Milwaukee throughout the postseason was such an inconsistent team. Mm-hmm. Not Giannis, of course. Giannis is. If you want to tell me he's the best player in the league right now, you can. But he's the top three player in the league. Um, and he played as such throughout the postseason. True. But Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, who you gave up so much for, those guys were so inconsistent uh, throughout the the postseason that they had most people take Phoenix in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, so Giannis, there's no denying his greatness. He put on uh, one of the best NBA Finals performances we've ever seen, I've ever seen. Uh, especially after going into the series, you didn't know if he was going to play at all during this during the series. Yep. Um. So props to Giannis, props to Chris Middleton, props to Drew Holiday. Like they all showed up when it mattered, mm-hmm. but definitely a tough and rough ride getting there. Yeah. Um, but what did you think about the whole playoffs and how and how they ended up shaking out? The playoffs in general, uh, in general, like you said, injuries, it really kind of, I don't want to say destroyed it, but I feel like it takes so much, it took so much away from the what could have been games. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if Phoenix beats a fully healthy, healthy Lakers team. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not here to argue with you if you're going to tell me that. Oh, I'm just saying I'm not sure that they beat the Lakers if the Lakers are fully healthy. Uh, however, uh, it was great to see KD show to me why he's the best player on on the planet at this point if once again if you want to tell me honest not going to argue with you if i had my pick i'm taking a healthy a healthy kd yeah. uh but it, it was good to see the younger guys the devin bookers and you know chris middleton's have their moments this year it, it was good to see um however just touching on the finals in general i i told you when we spoke if Giannis is even 75%. I like Milwaukee. But if yeah. Giannis is, you know, 50% in and out of the lineup, then yeah, I'm going with Phoenix. But I just felt like I want the better team was was Milwaukee. They've been together a little bit longer. They knew each other, uh, you know, longer, had more chemistry. They added Drew Holiday. Giannis is a little bit better than what he even was, even last year, the year before that. So I just felt like they had a more a uh, better balance in chemistry. They they brought on PJ Tucker, who's a, a three uh, one of the best three and D guys that you can find in basketball, even at his later uh, age. Yeah. So I just felt like Milwaukee was the better team. When Phoenix pulled off on a, a 2-0 run, 
I will say that I was like, wow, Phoenix is going to win this. Yeah. Uh, but to me, the difference was the approach that they took to defend Phoenix. I love the fact that Drew Holiday hounded Chris Paul. His offense was so unexpected. Like, I have never seen Drew Holiday play that bad in all of my life offensively. And I can't even say he made up for it on the defensive end because he was so bad offensively. Yeah. But offensively, I would probably give him an F. Yeah. I'm being honest. And I'm, you know I'm a fan of Drew. I would give him an F. But defense, I would have to give him a B. Because what he done was guarded Chris Paul from one end to the other. Sometimes Chris Paul would hit him with a step back, a snatch back, a pump fake, get him in the air, draw contact, whatever. But what that did was allow Phoenix other guys to get cold. Nobody else could find a stroke but Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And like you said when we spoke, it turned into, okay, if you're going to shoot all these twos, we can live with that. <laughs> hey, go ahead. We, long as you're not lighting us up in this three-point line and Devin Booker is shooting our eyes out and all this and that. And with by Drew Holiday, first of all, stepping up and taking on that responsibility of hounding Chris Paul, that allowed Brooke Lopez not to get involved in pick and roll so much because they was – calling the pick damn near uh, way above the, the three-point line on Brook Lopez, which allowed Chris Paul to get to the, his mid-range so easy for a wide-open pull-up. But by Drew stepping up and saying, I'm fighting every screen, I'm going under every screen, I'm picking you up from one end of the court to the other, that made life easier for Brook Lopez and eventually the whole Milwaukee team. Yep, and like you say, man, they 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 ended up, look, I, we done lost these first two games, guess what? From here on out, you're not getting to this rim and you're not shooting it from the three-point line. Anything right. in between this, you can have it. We're going to mm. give you, take it. Yep. And them losing Sarge really hurt them, not because Sarge is a great player, but he, he was the only thing else that they had that was really substantial when it came from height and, and being able to actually put a body on somebody yeah. um, defensively. But DeAndre Ayton showed his youth during that series. He's just he's just young right now. Like he's young. he's gonna get better. He's gonna get like he he's just young right now and Giannis isn't. And Giannis and Giannis say whatever I want to do, I'm going to do. Like mm-hmm. whether it's DeAndre Ayton or anybody else y'all want to try to throw at me, <laughs> I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. And DeAndre Ayton isn't there yet to be able to go at some go at Milwaukee, as he should have been doing on the offensive end, but neither to be able to go at Giannis or a player like that on the defensive end when yeah. it became his sole responsibility, uh, yeah. basically. And a lot of people are not going to understand that because just as much as people start liking um, um, uh, DeAndre Ayton, just, just as soon as folks start liking him, this happened. He runs yeah. into yeah. <laughs> He runs into Giannis and it's like, all right, Keep doing what you've been doing, but go out here and defend Giannis. And, you know, people don't even understand, like, when you got a guy that's been in the league seven, eight years who have won multiple MVPs, defensive player of the year, most improved, been on the same team, same coaching staff. He know Chris Middleton, you know, all this stuff. And then you get a guy who's just learning the game of basketball because he got this iconic point guard in Chris Paul. That's a big responsibility to say, go out there and guard that guy. I was mad at Giannis for not going out there and guarding KD. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. just imagine how, how Aiden felt having the responsibility of Giannis. Exactly. But one thing I, I would like to say about Giannis, uh, the game of basketball, when I say my favorite, like, I don't use that word lightly. Like, yeah. in football, I'm, I'm kind of, oh, yeah, he's one of my favorite players, guys who don't even play for the Saints. But with basketball, I really, I really don't use that word lightly. Giannis has been a guy that I've been rooting for these past couple years. Mm-hmm. But to see him in, in, improve, and what I mean by improve, I mean, like, understand the game of basketball. You know how hard it is to shoot an air ball in the playoffs and then the very next possession come right back and still look for contact to go right back to the free throw line? Like, no disrespect to LeBron James. Everybody who knows me know I'm a huge Brian fan. But even Brian wasn't doing that this early in his career. Hell, even in his later career, he, he ran okay. from the free throw line. But to see Giannis take 75 seconds at the free throw line before shooting that free throw, but still have the mindset that going to the free throw line, I, I mean, you have to respect that, man. 
This was, and, and this was every Milwaukee. No one had a Milwaukee Phoenix NBA Finals. So once, <laughs> so once they got on that stage, you you have to look because we're looking at them. We saying Giannis has been so close these past few years and has stumbled. Um, whether it was what Toronto uh, one year last year it was Miami when mm-hmm. it took it to him, but he's getting to the Eastern Conference Finals and, and not being able to to get to that next level. Phoenix is a team that we're talking about hadn't been to the playoffs in a decade, let alone a Conference Finals or NBA Finals. So yeah. and, then, and then you have the, the Chris Paul situation who had never been to an NBA Finals in 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you get there, it's really, look, we don't know if this ever is going to happen again because, hell, we done fought so hard and they haven't happened before. Right. Who wants it more? Right. Giannis wanted it more, 100%. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what it came down to. But once again, like, for him to not be the type of player that everybody glamours over these days, he doesn't shoot the three. He's, like you say, he's he suffers at the three-point line. I mean, mm-hmm. at, the, at the free throw line. Um, he's not flashy. He he's none of that. He's he's hard nosed. I'm gonna put my head down and I'm gonna get this work done. Mm-hmm. And for a player like that, in a in a in a league where super teams have really taken over, for him to have the same mentality that that Dame has had up until this point. Look, no, I'm gonna stay here and I'm gonna win here. Right. For him to be able to do that, that keeps the landscape of the NBA from becoming even more so a super team league than it already has become. And that's important too. And for all the people who want to discredit Milwaukee's championship because of the injuries, to me, this is the ultimate counter. Well, this guy stayed here on his team and didn't team up with no one. So if you're going to tell me that these other teams had a superstar hurt, well, they still had a superstar. At the end of the day, that's all Milwaukee had was a superstar. Exactly. You know what I mean? True. True enough. KD almost beat him by himself, but and that's think? just and that's just, and, and like we just talked about, that's just an instance of one better superstar. Like, yeah, right. Kevin Durant was probably the only superstar that could have took on Giannis one on one in this in, in in this playoffs and beat him. Right. So even if if Milwaukee had one more superstar, like whether it's Kyrie or James Harden, I yeah. feel like Brooklyn advances and they go on to win it all. Yeah. But I'm, I refuse to discredit anything Giannis or Milwaukee uh, done. Gian, you can't even say his role players was on fire or, or they played great because P.J. Tucker went MIA. We all saw Drew Holiday struggle, and yet, you know, he he found a way to put the team on his back and, and get a get a ring. So, and, and the same thing about Phoenix. Like, I can't discredit Phoenix's uh, getting to the NBA Finals because just like you said, First round, Anthony Davis went down. Guess what? Guess who's still there? LeBron James still there. Mm-hmm. Second round, he went to Denver. Jamal Murray hasn't been there for a long time. Jokic pulled it out of his ass. He went and got him an MVP. Jokic still the best player on that court. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to the clip. Went and played the Clippers. Yeah, Kawhi didn't. Play. Paul George still there. Like yep. so, in all of those series, you looking at it and saying, "Well, shit, Phoenix still probably doesn't have the best player on the floor at this point." Mm-hmm. Yep. And Guess what? They still made it to the NBA Finals. So, like I say, that that asterisk or trying to discredit teams, no. Like, do I think that this is – do I think Phoenix gets back here next year? No, I don't. No. <laughs> Would it shock me if Milwaukee did? No. No. So, it, it played out how it could have in general besides, you know, so, yeah, it is what it is. Um, so, we got a couple minutes left, and – um I want to kind of look into this upcoming offseason of the NBA a little bit um, and kind of just do the what ifs or what you believe is going to happen. What would you like to see happen around the league? Uh, Ben Simmons has been the topic of many, many, many conversations. Um, First of all, if you're Philly, do you keep him? Do you invest in him anymore? No way. No way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not at this point. And 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 it's not even because of his – play on the court is how the people around him have taken the issue with it and been vocal about it. So mm-hmm. now you casted more doubt on somebody who's already down himself to an extreme level, obviously, and you add Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid coming out and being 
uh, expressing even more doubt about him. That doesn't help any. He, he, he needs to change the scenery now. Yeah. Uh, I, the thing about it is I don't see a team that he can go to and, like, immediately bring impact. Well, I don't want to say immediately because he's so good defensively that he can do something. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is for this to, to fix this number one overall pick image, uh, I'm not sure how he goes about doing it. Um, I would like to see him take more of a Giannis approach. Smaller guy on you, take him to the rack, straight up. Anytime you below the free throw line, you got the kind of thing, shoot the basketball. I'm just taking it back to early stages of basketball. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want he, because you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Kind of like Alonzo Ball shot. You got the first shoot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And get accustomed to saying, okay, I have to take this shot. Then we can work on fixing the form. But I don't care how much you fix the form. If he doesn't have shoot mentality, you know, it's not going to work. So he's going to have to go somewhere with it where they're going to be patient with him. And, and really, I don't want to say not expect much, but in reality, that's that's how I really feel. Like he needs to go somewhere where scoring definitely is not, uh, not expected. And uh, they just need another ball handler and defender. So clearly, um, he's uh, – damn, what did I really say? Oh, clearly he wouldn't make any contender that's already a contender a better team. Like most most contenders that's already a contender, if you add Ben Simmons, yeah, he's going to take your team to another level. He's going to – yeah. But when it comes to, oh, we're going to send him to a team that's trying to become a contender – me and you had this conversation off off air when I was saying that he needs to be put in a situation where he's the second best player without feeling like he's the second best player, which is a very tricky thing. Like, so it's with Joel Embiid, he couldn't ever feel like he was the, as good as Ben Simmons is. Even with his shooting woes, Ben Simmons is a really good player. But there was never any doubt who was the best player in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons has to be put in a situation where he can feel like a number one without truly being a number one. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton can feel like he's a number one and not be a number one. Chris Middleton is somebody who's being relied on in in crunch time and clutch moments more so than the actual best player on that team by far. And that's the type of situation that Ben Simmons has to be in. Like, I if it's not going to happen, but if I could pair Ben Simmons with somebody like a Paul George, that would be the perfect pairing. You want to tell me Paul George is the better player? Cool. It's debatable. And that's, and that's the type of situation that he needs to be put into if you want to get the best out of Ben Simmons. I, I don't think, yeah, I I don't think, think so making him a, a third option on a team that's not like I said, if you put him on a contender, if you send him to Golden State and be like, "Hey, we gonna we gonna make it work with you," then of course he's gonna you know he's gonna fit right in and uh, and they're gonna be right back in the championship contender conversation or whatever. Of course, like like I say, I'm talking about outside of contenders. Like him going to Portland, I don't think he's gonna help him any. No, to, like that's 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 probably the worst one to me. When we first talked about him being traded, I said I'd like to see him in Minnesota. I like what they have to put around him to where he can fit. Ben Simmons can step in Minnesota and be like, yeah, I'm the best player here. And ain't nobody going to really push back on that, but is he really the best player there? Is he is his is his ceiling higher than Anthony Edwards is? Is he a better player than Carl Anthony Towns is at this point? Yeah. So situations I, I, like that, I think, is where he – would really thrive in. I think he needs to go somewhere just with zero expectation. And if you want to say Minnesota, cool. And not for the same reasons, though. I'm saying send to Minnesota because nobody thinks Minnesota is going to win many games anyway. And I disagree. I think I think if you put Ben Simmons in Minnesota, well, for one, for one, Minnesota has had higher expectations than they've been able to reach for like five years now. And well, it's getting pretty bad. And I don't see that stopping. Honestly, I see next year they, especially how Anthony Elwood played towards the end of last season, expectations are still going to be higher than what they should be for a Minnesota team. Mm-hmm. You put somebody like Ben Simmons on that team, expectations still going to rise. 
Yeah, and and like I said, I just think he needs to go to a bad team. Period. Yeah, and so, and I think top, that is the worst. Yeah, top, top ten worst teams. He that's yeah. why I want to see him go simply because he is not about feeling like I'm better, but simply just so he could blend in mm-hmm. and shoot and struggle just as much as everybody else, so he can see whether I shoot it or the next person shoot it. It's necessarily not going to go in. He needs yeah. to be put in a situation where he's really not expected to do much. He. Yeah. he Ben Simmons is in a, a very, very, very uh, tricky situation. But I, I think anybody who takes him saying we just got our second best player, th- that's not nothing. Like, they're far from a contender. They're far from anything. Yeah, and we disagree on that just depending on the team. Yeah. Um, um, Chris Paul has a, a, a amazing uh, dollar amount attached to his player option. It's north of $40 million. Um, does he want to be back in Phoenix would be the question. Uh, I, so. I would think not. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I figured we would. I well, figured no, 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 no. I'm not going to say it's his best option. Like, it's the first choice. But I'm just saying if that happens, I don't think he's sitting there kicking himself. But, but uh, see, my thing is the control is really in his hand. Like, either he wants okay. to be there or he doesn't, you know. That's so does he want to be in Phoenix? <laughs> well, and then again, you got to think it got. He's looking for the multi-year deal. Like, who wants to sign a one-year deal? Like, let's get a three-year deal together. Now, now I want to be in Phoenix. So that's that's kind of tricky too, because if 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 he ends up extending, getting a three-year deal, he's not going to be making forty million dollars a year. That's for one. True. It's going to drop down to probably more about thirty. We'll True. give you thirty million over three years. True. 36, 37 years old next season, how important is it for him to win a championship? Uh, $60 million extra. $60 million. I've always told you I don't think Chris Paul wants it bad enough. I've always told you that. Well, if it's a a championship or either $60 million extra I can receive by signing a contract, I mean, I'm not mad at him for taking extra $60 million because if you're telling me he can get uh, a three-year, $90 million deal from mm-hmm. Phoenix or a one-year, $25, $30 million deal from the Lakers. Well, no, I'm working under the, I'm working under the assumption that if he wants out of Phoenix, it's going to be a signing trade. So, mm-hmm. or, or, or just him picking – look, I'm only picking up my player option in order to be traded. So he's going to – I, I figure he's going to make $40 million this next season, regardless of who he plays for. So that's the assumption I'm working under. $40 million he's going to get next season. If he's not playing for okay. Phoenix. So you. if you're telling me I'm still gonna get my forty million dollars, at least for this one season. Oh yeah, I'm 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 elsewhere then. Yeah. If you're looking at it like that. Yeah, yeah, but I'm kinda looking at it more like I don't wanna call it an investment, but just longevity. Like, okay, at this point I still show that I can play. I still show mm-hmm. how important I am to to a team. Yeah. I can decline this one year and they can trade me on a long-term deal, or I'm still open to saying, let's get a multi-year deal done, Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You feel and, me? And, and I think, once again, this to me is going to, it's really, it's really going to answer the question for me now. Like, once a player gets to 36, 37 years old, hey, is you chasing the title or are you just hanging around for the money? Like, what, what's, what's really going on here? Because that's well, the only I mean, time it becomes acceptable. Like once well, you get past, once you get above thirty five years old, nigga, do whatever it takes for you to get that championship. If you don't have one yet, we saw it with Gary Payton, we saw it with Carl Malone. Hell, but, uh, we've seen but it the money that the Lakers, the money that the Lakers was paying them two guys was nowhere near Chris Paul. That's what I'm saying. Like if somebody throws a three year a three year deal on the table for Chris Paul and he pass up a one year deal to sign with the Lakers or whoever on the on the sign the trade. I'm not saying, oh, he's just all about the money or he don't care about winning. Like, that's literally $60 million extra dollars that he just made. Reg, like, so once... <laughs> How long has Chris Paul been in the league? 16 years? 16 years, yeah. I can assume, I can, I'm, it's safe, to, well, hell, it's safe to assume off this last contract he signed. He's made well over $200 million in his career. Look, let's not even go down that, that road. We know he's filthy rich. He's gener- he, Generations are going to eat off the money Chris Paul has exactly. made from the NBA and endorsements. However, a lot of people always get this misconstrued. Just because these dudes are, are financially stable 
for generations, that don't mean they still trying to leave money on the table. But it means, but to me, as a fan or okay. as somebody uh, who as a fan, okay, or or somebody who, if I was in the situation, if I'm 36, 37 years old and I don't have a championship and I'm an NBA player, a Hall of Fame NBA player, the only thing that's separating me from the greatest of the greats is I ain't got no fucking title. I'm trying to go win a title, especially if the difference is, like you said, an extra $50 million for an extra two years, or I can make my one-year $40 million and then see what I get after this. Yeah, I got to try to get the title. I got to. If you're going to tell me he's comfortable with walking away from the game of basketball after he wins the title next year, then I can kind of get it. But I'm just being completely honest with you. I see that, especially after the, well, the, his injury history in general, but the way that it affected him this season too, age is starting to show. Yeah. But, you know, Carmelo and Gary Payton's salary combined for that year with the Lakers didn't, Equal with Chris Paul is going to be expecting to make this. Oh, this of course. Company. But once again, it's a different NBA yeah. as well. Like, he's yeah. making, yeah, this is a different yeah. ball and game. Then, even when people think of Gary Payton, no one thinks Gary Payton the NBA champion. Like, he has to remind people he, he won a championship. Yeah, he didn't even win in the L.A. Carl Malone retired and he went to Miami. Car- right. Gary Payton went to Miami and got But one. I'm just saying in general, like, nobody remembers that because you wasn't an attribute to the team. Yeah, that- but Chris Paul would be. That's the thing. Like, he's still in a position that I'm going to be a big factor on the championship team. I go to the Lakers, I'm a big part of that championship. Yeah. We see it so many times with NBA players, uh, NFL players, whoever, turn down the chance to go and sign with a great team for less mm-hmm. money because so much more money is still mm-hmm. over here. Like, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, and, so I can, I can, it, depend, it all, to me, the, the reason I'm on this side of it for Chris Paul is because he's in his last days, regardless of how you want to look at it. Now, if he was 32, 33 years old and you saying, look, he went and signed three years because he wanted that extra 50 million, I understand. Yeah. I completely understand, but you telling me he's 36, about to be 37, and he, him signing up for three more years is just is exactly just that. I just want that extra $60 million because I, I know you. I'm not winning the title of the Phoenix. I feel you. And I'm one of those guys, like, a championship doesn't, like, I don't want to say it doesn't mean everything because that's the reason you play the game, exactly. but, it has, but, it, play the game. but it's different levels to it. Chris Paul being the third best player on the Lakers, the Lakers stay healthy. He averaged 16 points, 10 assists, and they win the, the championship. I don't think that puts Chris Paul over whoever they already got over him in that point guard conversation. I do, because I think the only thing that you're holding against Chris, not you, but the yeah. only thing people in general is holding against him is you don't have a ring. Yeah. Now, now him like now, who who like who's say, better? Uh, who do you have better? And and we're gonna cut it short because we kind of we went over until our but this just me and you talking. Who do what point guard do you have over Chris Paul right now? That if he wins a ring next year, you like okay now Chris Paul is better than that guy. For me personally, that's I I, I would actually have to think about it to be honest with you. I'm just. I'm just basing it off of the conversations that I've been hearing, you know, the, you. the people be like, yeah, he's out. I've heard recently he's outside of my top five right now. He gets a title. He jumps to two people, you know? So, I mean, it's hard to put, I mean, just off the top of my head, because the magic is usually magic Isaiah. And yeah, then John Stock people put John and I, John Stock. That's per, John Stockton could have won five rings, and you know why I'm still putting him. Yeah, I'm about to say I know how you feel, but people have yeah. John Stockton before Chris Paul, and if Chris Paul wins the title, guess what? That's one of those guys he's going to jump. I don't think so because folks view John Stockton as Jesus, bro. That's why people we talk about. <laughs> I'm talking about the NBA fan base as a whole. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, like you said, we need to wrap it up. Uh, but right now, the talk is, of course, I'm a Lakers fan, so that's all I, I'm looking for is Lakers news. Ever since the NBA Finals wrapped up, you get report after report after report about who we looking at, who's looking at us. Um, I need Mont- to get DeMar DeRozan down there. Go ahead and get DeMar DeRozan, man. I take I definitely right. take DeRozan. On the low, too. On the low. He'll come on the low. But uh, they say Montrez Harrell is probably going to opt into his player option, which mm-hmm. is strange uh right. it, it has to be a. it has to be you're opting in so we, 
No, so we can move you. Like it has to be an agreement already between them because he's a Rich Paul client. There has to be an agreement with them already to where you gonna opt in so you can make sure you get your money, and we're gonna try to get you somewhere where you want to be. But you're not gonna be a Laker. Um, Chris Paul target list. Russell Westbrook on the target list. DeMar DeRozan has been on the target list, but now he's showing that mutual interest. Him and Kyle Lowry. So mm-hmm. the definite the draft comes up next week. Um, there's definitely going to be a lot of player movement in the next week, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into hopefully next week we can sit down and do this again and get into a bigger NBA conversation about the current off season. But um, it's definitely it definitely should be a good one. Right. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, we got that starting up next week, and we got training camps opening up next week. Like I said, hopefully we can get back here next weekend and sit down and do this again. It was great catching up uh, in this manner. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Hopefully whoever listens is able to uh, decide to give us some feedback, some comments. Uh, you know, let's hear y'all thoughts too. Um, we appreciate y'all for listening. Still love sitting down doing this. Got to get back to it, man. Yes, sir. Got you. See you. Good, my boy. You boys not in my league. If you listen close, I'm coaching. Take keys to the boy. Hella dope without pushing a blanco. Still stabbing bitches like 94 in the Bronco. If it's about the money, I'm leaving them hoes pronto. If I don't do nothing, I'm a ball. Line so. Every time I do it, do it to come.